0: You're listening to Mastering Retention, presented by UserWise. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's uh, Mastering Retention podcast episode. Uh, today's a really, really uh, special episode. Uh, we are joined with Alex um, from Planet.io. Um, Alex has a really rich history in gaming, and he's Uh, Doing some really cool stuff with Planet, so I'm I'm super excited to tell you guys more. But uh, Alex, before we dive into everything, uh, would you like to just give a little story? You know, how did you get into gaming?
1: Oh man, I got into gaming. I remember exactly the moment it happened. It was 1997, and it was a uh, a video game by the name of Ultima Online, which was released, and it was the first graphical art really kind of hit mainstream. The company was purchased by EA at a later date, and it was just a it was the Wild West for MMOs at that time. And I remember <laughs> logging into Ultima Online. It was the beta. And um, I created a little character and uh, proceeded to walk around the city that was populated with hundreds of other people. And I was like, wow, this is totally amazing. All right. At first, I didn't believe that the other people that were walking around this town were real. This is 90, 1997. I think I was connecting to the Internet with CompuServe at the time or something, <laughs> something uh, even less sophisticated. But at first, it was just like, no, this can't be real. Like, these are not real. People, this isn't possible and then I walked out into the forest and I found a grizzly bear and I uh, started attacking this grizzly bear and I was hitting him and I was like wow this is totally amazing and while I'm doing this a gentleman walks up to me and he says hey do you want some help killing that grizzly bear and I go yeah man sure and instead of helping me he just sat there and watched me die and after I died he then proceeded to pick up my clothing wear them and pretend he was me and it was that moment right there that I knew that I was completely hooked into online gaming, and that that would be a major driver and focus <laughs> in my life.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, it's it's amazing how those first games that you play can just kind of change everything and and just get you hooked. And I, I feel like every every player at least back in the day before there were authenticators and stuff goes through something where somebody steals your stuff or your account or something like that. And you, 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 learn a lot about security after that. Yeah.
1: You know, I think it's, it's, it's twofold. I think there is like that magic, the very first video game you ever play. But I think the other side of that coin too, is at that time in 1997, like there was no prior game for a uh, Raph Koster and that team to really kind of model after. And it was completely unknown. And in the, in, in the face of the unknown, what they decided to do was try to make the world as open as possible because their, their thesis was, uh, if we design something, like we don't really know what we're doing. That was, that was a given. And if we design something that allows the players to police themselves, then uh, we're kind of taking that onus off of us and we'll have a quality game. Now, as you can see after Ultima Online, like almost the exact opposite thing happened. And even Ralph Coster for was has has admitted to this in his uh talks about game design. It's people went the exact opposite direction. And as far as like game design goes, and the next iteration of Ultima Online was a game called EverQuest. And uh it had, it was an MMO like Ultima Online, it was 3D. But what really was interesting about the game design in EverQuest was that they made it so that you uh you, you there was more safety nets for the player. Uh against other players and kind of you were much more on on a, on a track as to what you could do and what you couldn't do. And that's really continued to be the game design um, edict, if you will, that has kind of created World of Warcraft and a lot of the other MMORPGs that are out there. There are kind of uh, very few really open world games these days where players can uh, greet their own communities can uh, and enforce their own type of
0: in enforcing your own rules. Mm. Yeah. That is super interesting. Yeah. So that got you into gaming as a kid, at least. Um, what does it look like from a professional stance? When did you get into gaming? What did that look like?
1: Yeah, so I pretty much always knew I wanted to be in games. I started building my first game when I when I was 12 years old. Uh, sorry, when uh right after the um Sorry, I I started building my first game shortly after my uh, experience with Ultima Online back in 1997, gravitated towards things that were gaming related. I um, at one point even started working for, uh, I I was volunteering for Electronic Arts doing moderation for some of their games, like this was before college and high school. Uh, And then from there, I went to college at USC and USC happened to just be starting the game design program that year. Um, I was one of the very first students to go through their game design program was there. And once I graduated from SC, I ended up going out to China on a whim to study Mandarin for three months. And in that adventure, I kind of decided to stay there and started a gaming company out there, um, where I proceeded to live for 10 years. I came back to the States about five years ago with, with a wife and two cats.
0: (laughs) That's cool. Um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about the uh, the game companies that you started out there. Was it uh, was it Boonti the first one?
1: Boonti was a, a French uh, gaming company who was trying to create, who had an idea for a casual games platform, and they were leveraging China as a low cost uh, base to to do engineering. Uh, this was circa 2006, and it was a downloadable platform. And then inside of the platform, there were just a whole host of casual games. Um, I believe it was in November of 2006 that Facebook released their Canvas product, uh, which was basically Flash <laughs> games on the web. And that was yeah. really when social gaming went completely game buster. So it was kind of uh it was a learning experience. It was the wrong place in the wrong time, but it was what kind of cut my teeth into the gaming industry. It was my very first job and, uh, where I kind of, it was my very first job in the gaming industry.
0: Cool. Yeah, and then you eventually ended up founding Balanced Worlds, right? Correct. Cool. Tell us a little bit about Balanced Worlds.
1: So Balanced Worlds was a AAA quality developer uh, based out of Beijing, China. We were on a mission to, what we saw was that we, uh, there was a lot of kind of low quality trip, uh, low quality, flash games that were going mainstream in the Facebook platform. And what we wanted to do was we wanted to create like a really, um, uh, high-end 3d gaming experience on web. Uh, this is back in the, this is actually even before the days of, uh, the unity, but maybe this was around the same time as the unity web plugin came out. So that you could port unity games into the web. Uh, yeah. we created a game called uh blast zone, which was a bomber man, it was a really kind of high-end 3 uh, three triple-A quality game uh, on the reminiscent of the Bomberman fra- uh, franchise. Uh, it was called Blast Zone, and we created that before we were acquired by uh, Kabam in I think it was 20, 2012,
0: 2013. Cool. Then you worked at Kabam for a few years before that was ultimately acquired by Netmarble, right? Correct. The
1: Band was acquired by Netmarble um for their uh the the
0: kind of Transformers game IP that they had a number of years later. Awesome. And then eventually you ended up working at Facebook for about a year if I remember right. And then you moved on to Twitch at Amazon. What was what was it like working on Twitch?
1: Yeah, so um Twitch was great. Twitch was super exciting. We were kind of right there at the cross. Twitch is the largest. Twitch likes to um, position itself as being the creator of an entirely new uh, profession that people uh, are using called, uh, which is streamers. Um, as we saw these streamers kind of growing in the m- growing in the ecosystem and becoming more and more powerful when it came to driving downloads and just uh, driving downloads of actual games, but also kind of just the amount of people that were watching Twitch as an entertainment medium, uh, Twitch got, as you know, very big, very quickly. Um, So as they were kind of expanding in, as they were just growing as a streaming platform, what we discovered was that there's kind of other core services out there for gamers that we, that, that Twitch could also be helping them solve. One of them was communications basically we discovered that a lot of uh, streamers were using IRC and Twitter and Facebook for their kind of communication models. What we wanted to do was create a communication model that was really dedicated just for gamers and built for them in a way that they could actually, that the streamers could themselves help drive their business, but also that gamers themselves could connect and and communicate with one another. Uh, So we built a product called Pulse, which uh, we launched on page of Twitch, around 100 million active users in 20, 2017. Um this was right around the time where kind of Discord was going uh w- w- was starting to get big as well. Um, ultimately kind of Discord took that ate that uh piece of the pie from us which was <laughs> gaming communications, but it was uh it was still a lot of fun to build and produce and be able to generate real value for gamers and streamers themselves.
0: Yeah. That's super cool. Well, that's an amazing history. Um, so, tell us a little bit about Clanet.
1: Yeah, so Clanet is um, the I call it the cross section between anthropology and gaming. Um, and basically, what you see is that there are hundreds of thousands of events that happen on a weekly basis in online games like Eve Online, World of Warcraft. You, you name it where there's kind of clans that are pivoted, that are, uh, that are fighting each other. Uh, you have epic betrayals, you have clan battles, you have people joining clans. You have really kind of a really important but small microcosm of human history that is now happening only in online, that is now happening in online games. And unfortunately a lot of these events just kind of disappear and uh, people are, don't get much, Uh, historical credence or really want to study their effects because of the facts that they're related to gaming. So Planet.io basically, we're building ourselves as a community of gaming historians uh, on a mission to preserve the rich cultural heritage of an entire generation of gamers. Now, what does that mean, really? Because there was a lot of big words in there. But basically, it means that, um, well, you have tons of clans. Like, every clan has their own uh, we're going to call them gaming historians for this conversation. But this is somebody—somebody somebody as simple who uploads videos of their clan to YouTube. This is somebody who is creates a clan website uh, with their with a members list. This is somebody who's recording wins that they've had that their clan has had against other clans. And uh, everybody has every major clan has somebody who's doing this type of work. But what we've seen is that. Uh, They lack the tools to really document this. And then, on the other side of lacking the tools, is there seems to be some sort of problem with um, clans kind of writing their own history, if you will, and remembering things they want to. So, I, for years, have been trying, have been on this path of creating a nonprofit entity that could kind of address some of these problems and help us create a record of what has happened to our generation in cyberspace, if you will. Um, and as a clan, it's, it's been kind of on my radar for the last couple of years, but I haven't really had a whole chunk of time to bite into it until now. Um, and now I'm really focused on kind of building this and getting the eyeballs on it that it needs in order for it to survive on its own.
0: Yeah. So, So maybe digging into this a little bit more. Let's say I'm curious, like, what would be an example of, you know, an event that we would want to... You know, document from a history perspective because, you know, obviously, you know, looking at you know regular history outside of gaming, you know, we're we're not documenting every little thing that happens. It's usually those larger kind of events and things. So, like, let's maybe say the corrupted blood incident. And wow, like, like what was that, and why does that matter?
1: Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna choose that uh, that uh, specific event because of just the context of modern times with COVID nineteen, right? Uh, the corrupted blood incident of two thousand and five in World of Warcraft was uh, a patch was released where one of the uh, raid monsters had a buff that was kind of a it was a damage buff, but it would spread to your coworkers, uh, to your excuse me, to your clanmates who were also uh, playing the raid with you. And what some prankster learned was that if he put his pet away while the pet was infected with this, and then popped up in an Agramar and took the pet back out, it would all of a sudden start spreading this virus to all of the other people on that facet of World of Warcraft in Augramar. And what ended up happening was anybody who logged in would immediately see a massive bloodbath in Agramar of people dying, not really knowing what was going on, not having a way to heal from this debuff because it was an epic level debuff from one of the, the raid mobs. Um, but also it kind of, it wasn't, World of, uh, Blizzard wasn't a made- able to immediately patch this so people had to find ways to survive in this new world of warcraft world where they couldn't go to agramar and in fact what ended up happening is people stopped started just avoiding all the major towns and kind of lived out in the forest out in the caves would do their uh their LFGing out in in front of the dungeons instead of doing it in, in town and it this was such a uh an interesting event because there had never been any sort of viral outbreak that had happened in an online game before, right? Like it's the very first online epidemic that ever happened. And it was such an interesting happenstance that um, the US government actually sent some counterterrorism experts down to Blizzard uh, in Irvine to sit down and look at the data to really understand, like, can we use any of this data if there were some sort of real world epidemic that happened, how can we use this data of what happened in World of Warcraft in order to really save lives on a, on a global level? And while I don't know how that information is being applied right now, which was learned in 2005 in the current COVID epidemic, I am looking for people <laughs> and have a couple of posts out <laughs> trying to find somebody who does know if any of that information has uh, steered us today uh, in our current COVID uh, uh, in the way we're dealing with COVID.
0: Yeah, no, that's a <laughs> great, a great example. Um, so yeah, I, I totally get the value of that. Um, thinking about climate a little bit more as like a gamer myself, um, where maybe I mostly care about, say like my particular gaming history Or, you know, my clan's history or something like that. Like, I know, you know, certain popular games like uh, Clash Royale or League of Legends have, you know, different websites that have popped up that allow you to, like, look at your stats and, you know, how you've done with different champions and things like that. Like, how does it look from more of a individual or, you know, total clan-based type of a thing? So, you know, how do you balance the difference between maybe, like, these large world-changing type events, like the corrupted blood incident, but also like the heritage of like, hey, how has my clan been doing over the last two years? Or what have we been doing? What are these moments that I personally remember and, you know, can laugh about and share those memories? Strangely
1: enough, and I think that this is, I, I think it this kind of dives into what you're saying, but some of the the biggest use case that we have is people hitting planet.io and immediately inputting their gamer tag to see, Hey, am I, has anybody recorded me? Has anybody documented my personal gaming history, uh, on this platform? So I think there's a lot of that, of that, like a lot of the impetus on the non creator side or the viewer side is to see, Hey, am I in here? Um, and then it's also just to learn about other things that have happened, like the, the corrupted blood incidents in world of Warcraft. Mm. Um, a lot of our tooling works in such a way where, when you upload a screenshot or something, you can tag the users that were in that screenshot or in that video. And in that world, what we can then what ends up happening is that it creates a page uh, on our site which gets indexed by Google. And eventually, somebody who's like, "Hey, I'm curious as to if anybody has Google has put my gamer tag on a website recently." And we get a lot <laughs> of uh, hits from people who are searching for their own gaming tag. Interestingly enough, interesting.
0: That's pretty cool. So, what does the you know next year, two, three years look like? And you know, in terms of what you guys are are looking to build out and do, are you looking to, you know, I don't know, create different plugins and things where these things can just kind of be, you know, automatically uploaded and stored? Like, are you looking for you know, kind of an ambassador in each guild where like they kind of take the the task of going through and, and uploading the different exploits and, and and moments and things that happened kind of a thing? Or, or what does it look like, I guess?
1: So the next two to three years for us is really just about creating awareness. And from that awareness, recruiting gaming historians who are interested in documenting their own cultural history. As far as like, which we've noticed a pattern where um, like the most popular games for us are the ones that are the most open We're players are able to create their own communities in their own worlds Uh, we are super happy to build whatever software need whatever plugins or whatever software needs to get built for uh, any gaming historian that comes to us and joins our discord and wants to have a chat with us about and thinks that this is important right now our site is built on a uh, on a a kind of a, a very very modified media wiki deployment And we're we're open to whatever the needs are of our historians uh, for what we build next. Well,
0: that is awesome. So thinking about it from, let's say I'm a community manager, um, and I think this would be great uh, for my community if I could get them more engaged, you know, better documenting the things that are happening in the game, Um, you know, If they were to come to you, how would you say this is how you can get engaged or this is how you can pitch it to your, you know, end users and and get them rocking and rolling in here?
1: Sure. So uh, for community managers themselves, like if there is uh, some sort of, yeah, um, behavior that they would like their communities to embark on that is kind of history oriented, we would be happy for them to reach out to us. Uh, you can visit our website at planet.io. You can join our Discord, um, or you can go ahead and send me an email at planet at alex at planet.io, and I'm happy to uh, get involved and chat with you. That's fantastic.
0: Cool. Um, well, I think that is pretty much all the questions that I had for Planet. So, you know, what else <laughs> do you think the the world should know about Planet, Alex?
1: Yeah, I think the world, like what the world should know about Planet is that we are a uh, community of gaming historians on a mission to document and preserve the rich cultural heritage of an entire generation of gamers. Um, gaming history is important. It's a thing uh, that has not been explored as much as I'd like. Uh, when you look at, uh, once it was put to my um attention the other day that actually EVE Online has a, uh, a book written about it on Amazon.com and it's like 240 page book called The Empires of EVE and this book is all about the clans and the history of what happened in like a two-year period in EVE Online and this is a thing like people are writing about this and publishing books about it so uh, please remember that gaming history is important and it's affecting us on a daily basis and we're losing it as it slips through our fingertips
0: We got to preserve it. Those moments, I mean, I feel like they've shaped so much of everything that I do. You know, I I even look back to like learning how to type. Like I I learned how to type by playing Diablo 2 and going to the trading channel and they didn't have copy and paste in there. So literally I would just have to like retype whatever I was trying to trade over and over and over again, as quickly as possible, just to like, flash it in there and you know i ended up with that like 120 you know words per minute just by playing this game like so many different moments i think have come from gaming so i think this is so powerful so (coughs) sorry go on alex
1: yeah it's the inception of a lot of things too if you just look at a lot of the kind of the tech entrepreneur leaders that are out there so many of them now today are saying hey uh the thing that got me into technology was gaming because it's I think it's like, the, it's such a low uh, barrier to entry for any sort of kid that is, that wants to have fun. And it turns into, it turns into technology from there. Right. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's cool. So for, for people that maybe aren't community members, but still want to get engaged or help promote planet, like what, what can they do? What are you looking for? What can they help with?
1: Uh, share us on Twitter. Share us on Facebook. Right now, we're just purely looking for awareness and gaming historians. Awesome. That's the stage that we're at.
0: Well, this is this has been fantastic, Alex. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. I'm super excited to share this on LinkedIn and Twitter, and uh, I hope that we can just you know start a movement, and that you know we can get all these amazing moments documented in Clanetide IO.
1: That would be great. A movement is what's
0: needed. <laughs> I love that <laughs> attitude. I love it. cool. All right. well, Alex, thank you so much. Um, we hope that you know we'll be able to have you back on the podcast you know at some point in the future, hopefully with a you know great update on how Planet has been uh, just changing the world.
1: Great, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time all right, but.